didn't even think they belonged on the same floor with Indiana. They didn't. And but, but no, they <laughs> played tough against they, UCLA, and I think UCLA is a better team than Indiana. They, they could. They be. did not play tough and against Indiana, though. No, they, no, they didn't. They did. No, they played tough. They just can't make shots, and that's they the didn't problem. play that tough they against Indiana. Not as tough as I would have liked. Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, it, Indiana's it, got a special team. Yeah, Eric Gordon just destroyed us. But anyways, um, you want to wrap this up, Tony? Uh, sure. Friday night is game of the week, 8 o'clock. The hockey game, we'll have it live from you. So you listen to it, dual, dual on the sports stream and live on the air. So, because the game will go longer than our show and uh, DSRs throughout the week. And um, yeah, we'll see you back here next Monday for extra points. So, play a longer outro. <laughs> Give me some music. See you next week. Let's get it started here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started here. Let's get it started. Let's get it started. The only six seconds left, and then Chad Kowarik will be released. Six seconds of power play time remaining. Henson was thrown out of the uh, face-off circle because Desk went over to shout instructions to Kalorn. Thank you for listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. If you'd like to contact the sports department, please email us at sports at WCBN.org or call the station at 734-763-3500. Pass comes forward. Here's Hensick. Now to Kalorik. He's behind the defense. He's in. Shot and score. Chad Kalorik out of the penalty box gives the Wolverines a 4 nothing lead. Let's get it started here. Let's get it started. Ha! Let's get it started here. Well, <laughs> readjusting some chairs here. Uh, welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley, and Jim Dwyer. Uh, I didn't was unable to check my late phone messages, so he may not be joining us tonight, but that's okay. We'll probably see him later. Maybe he's made a commitment to going to the uh, Bergman film at the Michigan Theater. By the way, there's a little Igmar Bergman festival going on at the Michigan Theater this month. And uh, in particularly, uh, the Seventh Seal plays a lot on... on uh, cable, but uh, in particular, I would recommend, hang on one second, I guess the door was locked and Jim couldn't get in, anyway, uh, the Seven Seal plays on cable frequently, but I'd highly recommend seeing Fanny and Alexander, it is a really deep psychological movie with a lot of uh, Bergman themes uh, sprinkled throughout. In any event, obviously, uh, because tomorrow's the Michigan primary, we'll talk a little bit about that uh, event, as well as uh, comment about its ultimate fiasco element. Yeah, that's, that's kind of high. <laughs> For the Democrats, it's obviously a complete fiasco. Um, no delegates are at stake. So uh, I would urge all voters to vote anyway. Um, you have three options. You basically can vote your conscience. Uh, you can make your vote count, which means uh, vote in the Republican primary, since none of the delegates in the Michigan primary are up for grabs. And uh, you can vote strategically <laughs> for whatever that uh, may involve, whatever you may think. But uh, don't believe for one second that this race isn't a complete toss-up. 
because it is. We'll talk about the polls in a second. But getting back to the screwed-up Michigan primary system, uh, this actually, the news on all of this happened about a year ago when a number of states, Michigan among them, and we're talking the big states, we're talking about the states that are involved in the so-called Super Tuesday on February 5th, decided to jump the process. California, by the way, used to have a primary in June. Uh, Of course, the most famous uh, primary in June was the 1968 primary in which Bobby Kennedy was essentially assassinated after he won it. Uh, We'll talk more about the 68 events as this year goes on because this is the 40th anniversary of a lot of big historical events. Bob Herbert wrote just recently acknowledging that fact that uh, he wrote that uh, the nation has never really recovered from the bullet that killed Robert Kennedy. No, and in fact what's fascinating about that uh, whole year was Bobby Kennedy wasn't even in the race until after the New Hampshire primary. He got in after... uh, um, Lyndon Johnson decided not to run for re-election after Eugene McCarthy finished second. Uh, So the New Hampshire primary has been big in American history for all kinds of reasons. We'll talk about them eventually. But anyway, getting back to this screwed up Michigan system, basically this is a squabble between the DNC, uh, led by Howard Dean, and the Michigan Democratic Party, the head honchos. Uh, I would note, by the way, that Carl Levin uh, is neutral as far as committing to a candidate, but the two other bigwigs, Stabenow and Granholm, are Hillary backers. Right. So this explains some of the mischief, I think. Um, first of all, I don't know that the Michigan Democratic primary realized that the uh, DNC would strip them of all their delegates. The Republican primary, for the record, is, is stripping the our Republican Party of half of their delegates. So some delegates will be at stake tomorrow. And I just dismiss this conventional wisdom that Romney, well, he's finished if he doesn't win. He's either going to finish first or second. Um, If he finishes second again, in my opinion, he's still a viable Republican candidate for a variety of reasons. But the Republican Party is in complete disarray. I mean, it's a real horse race. And uh, Giuliani is continuing to plummet. Thompson is essentially finished. But Ron Paul has enough money to continue to remain in these primaries. And he seems to be able to get 8, 9, 10% of the vote in these uh, primaries. And he'll probably do about the same tomorrow. Um, and I want to give CNN a brain damage award just real quickly on the New Hampshire results. Ron Paul was battling Giuliani all night for fourth, but they never put his name up there. Mm. And we're talking about a couple hundred votes that were separating the two. So this is part of uh, this uh, process that I'm very critical of in which the media is determining who the candidates are, not the voters. Well, you can see an example of that in an article from the Los Angeles Times reprinted in today's Ann Arbor News. Uh, The headline is GOP voters add drama to race, and it's primarily about how independents uh, and Democrats uh, did well for McCain in the Republican primary in the state of Michigan um, in 2000. Um, But further down the article, it notes, uh, talking about the uh, strangeness of the limitations on the names that you'll be faced with in the ballot, should you choose to vote in the uh, Democratic primary. Um, Hillary Rodham Clinton is the only major candidate on the Democratic ballot Tuesday. And then it mentions that Obama and Edwards dropped off after uh, Michigan scheduled its primary for January 15th. 
and there's no reference of any other candidate. Of course, Kucinich is on there. Yep. He's not getting any media attention. He's all been... And, you know, let's face it, he's getting single-digit numbers sure. in the States so far. But the very fact that the media itself deems it inappropriate to even bother mentioning is like the selection has been made for you. You know, there are people out there who might be very interested in what a, a candidate like Kucinich has to say, but uh, he's just not getting the coverage. Well, and now he's even being excluded from the debates. Um, I think that that's both good and bad. I think there is a legitimate reason for the Democrats to really have a, a three-way brawl because that's what it's turning into. And I think it's even getting got, gotten worse over the weekend. The odd thing about Edwards' whole situation just uh, real quickly to talk about him he's obviously considered the third man mm. but guess what uh obama and clinton are getting into this race gender garbage and and the media is riding this uh mud slinging affair and edwards could be the beneficiary and by the way he's very viable in new nevada um he may not do that well in south carolina but there's going to be a debate um tomorrow night in fact uh between edwards Clinton and Obama in Nevada for this uh, Saturday's caucus, and uh, Edwards, I think, has performed well in the debates recently, better than he has. He does, in my opinion, need to change his message a little bit. America is not terribly interested in the two America story anymore. He's got to broaden some of his attacks. Flesh out the uh, routines. And I think he made a big mistake in New Hampshire by not uh, going after Obama specifically on nuclear power, uh, which is one of... I think Obama's uh, weak points. Uh, but anyway, getting back to this uh, fascinating Republican story, I mean, there was a poll out today, just uh, for the record, in Florida that shows that Romney, Giuliani, Huckabee, and uh, McCain are almost all tied at 20 mm -hmm. in the polls. Fascinating. So that Florida race later in the month is a complete horse race. Um Giuliani may continue to sink because obviously he's not going to do well in either Michigan or South Carolina. Unlikely. Unlikely. Uh, he's banking his whole strategy on Florida. Unfortunately for him, it may be too late. Um, if McCain wins tomorrow in uh, Michigan, the media will declare him the front runner. He has a lead in South Carolina. So who knows? But there's unease within the Republican Party establishment about McCain. And ironically, McCain may benefit from this chaos in the Democratic Party. More independents may decide to vote in the Republican primary. Because um, let's face it, it's pretty hard to talk people into going out to vote and voting uncommitted. Right. That is a oxymoron. <laughs> uh, defeat, an, an exercise in self-defeat. Um, I'm going to vote, I'm committed to voting, and I'm voting for uncommitted. <laughs> well. And I feel strongly about it, too. And I'm determined. Well, <clears throat> alas, uncommitted, of course. Well. And undecided has been a very big factor in this primary battle so far. And I want to give a another brain damage award out, since we're going to be copiously giving them out tonight. Uh, we'll get to Bush and Saudi uh, arms sales in a second, and the, can you say, Gulf of Tonkin event in the uh, Persian Gulf. Right. But the media's, um, the, the whole analysis, the post-mortem analysis on the New Hampshire primary is classic media stupidity. Um, 
Obama never had a lead in New Hampshire. Hillary Clinton always had the lead in New Hampshire. If you look at all of the polls, and I think it's fascinating, by the way, to compare um, today's New York Times, uh, CBS New York Times poll of, uh, that was in today's paper and compare it to the 11th, or excuse me, the 14th of November, which was just two months ago, to see the amazing uh, change in some of the, the, the issues that uh, voters are more concerned about. What's fascinating to me is about how the economy back in November was the third-ranked issue, and now it's the number one issue. Why? Well, we've had a massive decline in the stock market. We've continued to see oil prices skyrocketing. The trade deficit set an all-time record just days ago. Personal debt from the holidays. Personal debt from the holidays. We're getting all this uh, you know, recession talk. Now we're even getting economic stimulus plans. None of this was anywhere around just two months ago. So it shows how quickly things can change. But I just want to focus on New Hampshire for a second. On the uh, 14th of November, the polls said Mrs. Clinton leads with 37% compared to 22% for Obama and 9% for Edwards. Clinton got exactly what she was supposed to get. It's Edwards and Obama that went up. She stayed the same. The polls just days before the primary, and of course the, the reason that the polls were wrong, by the way, is they didn't poll what happened on Sunday and Monday before the New Hampshire primary. All the polls essentially stopped. Um, I don't think Obama had a particularly good debate performance on Saturday night. That debate, by the way, was still going at 1030. That, that's a Sunday event. If anybody was even watching, and I, I read the numbers, there were uh, at least uh, six million people tuned in on various cable networks. Um, so the polling never captured that. What happened was Hillary Clinton, after Iowa, went into New Hampshire with a seven-point lead in the polls. On Friday night, CNN said Obama's getting a bounce of three points. <laughs> well, guess what? Obama is the one that actually gained more in the polls than Clinton. And then when you factor in the crying game, and we don't need to dwell on that, uh, just go see the movie. It's a very good movie. Neil Jordan, I won't reveal any details. It's called The Crying Game. It's a great movie. Um, Obama and Edwards are the ones that... that uh, Edwards stayed the same. The final polls got Edwards and Obama's numbers exactly on the nose. What happened was this 10%, 10 to 12% of undecided voters mainly went for Hillary Clinton. And I would include some of the Biden Dodd people. They all probably looked at Edwards and Obama. Dodd and Biden are traditional, quote, mainstream Democrats. They've been in the Senate for a long time. They have experience, blah, blah, blah. We don't need to talk about change in experience, but that's what happened. So all of this post-mortem analysis about how the polls were all wrong, is nonsense. And then Obama, by the way, was hurt by the fact that these colleges in New Hampshire were on winter break. That wouldn't have even been a factor if New Hampshire hadn't jumped the process. If they just stuck where they were, those New Hampshire colleges would have been back in session. And surprise, surprise, Obama probably would have won New Hampshire, and we wouldn't even be talking about this crying game 
and all of this garbage gutter stuff now that's going going into the race and gender debate, which to me is just a disaster for the Democratic Party. Well, exactly. It doesn't serve uh, anybody. Um, no. And that's actually doing a favor to the muddled Republicans. Yeah, and I think that it's an indication, by the way, of the of the bad effect of Bill Richardson suddenly dropping out of the race. Um, Richardson obviously never got going. Um, it's a fascinating story. This guy's got loads of experience. He's the most clear-cut about getting out of Iraq. He's not muddling around about keeping troops around for, you know, mop-up operations on al-Qaeda like Hillary Clinton. Um, he's saying we got to get them all out. End of story. What's he doing in the polls? Nothing. Why? Well, he's a little overweight. He frowns a lot on television. And he's not part of the dialogue, the narrative that the media is so fascinated in. Race and gender, first black, first African-American, first woman, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a sad event. I think Richardson continuing to stay in the race would have helped the Democrats. He actually functioned as a peacemaker about the debate, and unfortunately, I now believe that the Iraq issue is going to decline, and we're going to hear more nonsense from John McCain. The surge is working. Right. Stay the course. Victory in Iraq. I'll go f hunt down Osama bin Laden and kill him myself. I think to I the saw gates of hell. Yeah, I think I saw him jumping. He reminded me of Yosemite Sam. <laughs> I'm like, John McCain isn't straight talk. He's he's turned into a a farce. I know Weird. some people appreciate his reputation as a gadfly within the Republican Party, but it is worth remembering that he also, uh, you could call it licking his wounds or licking something else if you like, but he certainly did come back groveling uh, to kiss up to the president. Well, he certainly did in 2004. He was his main man out there on the campaign trail. Right. And... Um, this idea that we're going to get victory in Iraq is, is ridiculous. Okay, the surge has reduced some violence over the last three months. There's perfectly empirical evidence to support this, but nobody's doing any analysis of why this is happening. They're just asserting that because there was a surge, it's working. But what's working? What on earth can possibly be working when you have a report by the WHO that says... Since the war started, between 104 and 223,000 civilians have died in Iraq. And they came up with an estimate of 150,000 people in Iraq. That is the equivalent, ladies and gentlemen, of well over a million Americans dying in a war here in the United States of America. 1.2 million, if you want to know the number. Well, and if you want to... You know, add some numbers from past decades. The uh, total of the the toll, rather, of the sanctions. Sure. Uh, that uh, restricted the uh, simple things such as medications and uh, foodstuffs, uh, in some cases, from getting in. Uh, certainly, hospital supplies. Um, devastating to uh, children. Yeah. And then you know to continue to cloud uh, this current presidential race. By the way, with the Republican debate about tax cuts. And who's the most loyal to Ronald Reagan's <coughs> legacy? What a joke. Michigan, uh, the Michigan economy is not suffering because of tax problems. It's suffering because of the loss of manufacturing jobs that are connected to free trade and George Bush's AWOL status um, 
really, for most of his born adult life. I don't know where the man is, but he's in the Middle East visiting Israeli children that are waving flags, and I don't know whether they were singing Kumbaya, but uh, this is... uh, this this trip to the Middle East has just been a, a farce. It's been theatrical puppet show. Uh, speak heavily about democracy in some places, downplay such talk in others. Yeah, uh, and then push arms sales. Right. Um, not just in Saudi Arabia, sure. but throughout the region. Yeah. Um, this seems to be one thing that the the country is still going to permit itself to manufacture and export. Um, by the way, and speaking of military, you know, um, adversity and. Uh, devastating consequences for civilians it's worth noting too that uh, recently the uh, chairman of the joint chief of staff uh mullen mike mullen uh, admiral there has said guantanamo needs to be closed down that will be ignored M- the man that always listens to his military leaders <laughs> george bush will ignore that one and so i uh, saw that yeah i mean this is from the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff yeah and, of course, the very reason that uh, Guantanamo was turned into the prison that it's become was because uh, the Bush administration argued that U.S. laws do not apply there. So this administration that doesn't care for the rule of law, I mean, you could follow that argument to its logical conclusion and say that the United States shouldn't be in Guantanamo Bay at all if uh, it's not part of the United States. But um, I don't know. That might just be going too far out on a limb. And incidentally, uh, one of the reasons that I would recommend checking out the uh, polling data from the 11, uh, the 14th of uh, November edition of the New York Times is that on that particular date, uh, John McCain was uh, campaigning in Hilton Head, South Carolina, when a woman asked, how do we beat the bitch? <laughs> and of course, McCain laughed and said, I respect Hillary Clinton, blah, blah, blah. But this is uh, John McCain on the campaign trail. Yosemite sand mixed with, uh, I, I don't even know where to characterize McCain these days. He's, he's all over the map. Um, it's very interesting, by the way, to see this kind of apparent sudden mild surge for Romney in Michigan. It appeared that McCain had this wrapped up about five days ago, but uh, for a variety of reasons, Romney seems to be rising just slightly, and I'll go out on a limb and say that Romney's going to beat McCain by two points, but don't bet the farm on it. Uh, Once again, the key with the polls, check out undecided. There's still about 10 to 12 people, 10 to 15 percent that are completely undecided, And guess what we found out in New Hampshire? Many of them make up their minds in the polling booth. (laughs) I don't know how you do that, but... (laughs) Um, C'est la vie. So, uh, yes, let's give George Bush a brain damage award for spreading more weapons of mass destruction in the Middle East while denunciating Iran at every opportunity and ignoring the fact that his entire war in Iraq has benefited Iran in the region, damaged America irreparably. And destabled uh, one of our so-called allies, Pakistan. Yeah, and of course the regional consequences of this Iraq war uh, will continue. 
But uh, just real briefly on this WHO study, one of the reasons that I think this is a fairly credible number, the Lancet study, by the way, had uh, the civilian death toll uh, over 600,000. That was an extrapolated number. Um, The Iraq body count puts the number of civilians dead at 47,668. But it is only based exclusively on documented media reports. And, gee, haven't we figured out that the media gets things wrong (laughs) and that they don't report things? They don't, and they get things wrong. And just for the record, I mean, you know, the uh, uh, January 4th edition of the Wall Street Journal shows the, uh, the, the, the current standings in the New Hampshire polls as a, quote, result of an average of several major polls. The Democrats show Hillary Clinton with 34, Obama with 27, John Edwards with 18 and a half. Republicans, John McCain at 32, Romney at 28, Giuliani at 10, and Huckabee at 9.5. Huckabee did a little better. Uh, Giuliani did a little worse. Obama did much better. John Edwards did right what he was supposed to, and Hillary Clinton did a little better. But she had a seven-point lead going into that weekend. This, of course, is before the so-called bump that Obama got out of Iowa based on the Thursday night results. I accept CNN's number of three points. That's the story of what happened in New Hampshire. The polls weren't that wrong. They just never reported undecided. Well, for what it's worth, before that primary, the Financial Times uh, in their end-of-the-year 2000 weekend edition um, has predicted that Hillary Clinton will be the next president. (laughs) They've decided. Um, Just to jump backwards really quickly, and you talked about the Iraq body count numbers and so forth, some interesting numbers from the... uh, February uh, Harper's Index, which has just arrived to subscribers, um, projected total cost of medical care for U.S. veterans. Let's talk about those numbers of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars: five hundred billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Ratio of this to the total military spending on both wars so far: one to one. That's disturbing. Yeah, and that, of course, is a number that was used in many of the more pessimistic estimates that were issued by scholars right as the war was starting. Many scholars were predicting, accurately so, that the Iraq war would cost America $1 to $2 trillion. To get a perspective of that, by the way, that is almost the equivalent of an entire year's national budget. So all of these Republican candidates that are running around Michigan talking about tax cuts, I'm a little unclear what planet they're living on. These tax cuts uh, dating back to Ronald Reagan, and we can go into Reagan's tax cut legacy all we want. The fact of the matter is the man doubled Social Security taxes on you and me, doubled Social Security taxes on all the businesses in the United States that pay them, and he did give a tax cut for his rich kitchen cabinet uh, in California and many of his Hollywood buddies, some of them who aren't working right now due to a strike. Well, he was never big on strikes. He, he, he was a, a union, a union man until he wasn't a union man. 
Dark victory. Dark victory, yes. Um, so uh, the question in these debates that needs to be put before the Republican Party is not allowing them to continue these press conferences in which they uh, mud wrestle over who's got more tax cut and who's more like Ronald Reagan, uh, like Fred Thompson suddenly has decided he's going to be the hatchet man for McCain, um, but how they're going to pay for the Iraq war. Where's the money going to come from? What are they going to cut? And how much do they think it is going to cost, and how much has it already cost? It's remarkable. Uh, the, the entire debate in the Republican Party on that regard is just living in la-la land. Well, and the other thing about a lot of this medical care are costs that won't really ever go away until these people die. No, they won't. And and some individual veterans, it's going to cost 20 to $25 million per veteran for uh, some of the long-term care needs. Uh, these are the people who, by the way, in previous wars wouldn't have survived. Um, that's part of the part of the reason that the numbers and Bill Richardson actually was the one that kept banging the, the lectern about this 60,000 seriously wounded, many with post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, mentally wounded, physically wounded because of the war in Iraq. Um, by the way, the surge is going to have to come down this summer because the United States doesn't have any more troops. And yet, Bush says he wants to send 3,000 extra Marines to Afghanistan. Yeah, well, that's Bush talking tough. Um, we're going to wait for the uh, dust, the baloney, and the BS to settle regarding the incident in the Persian Gulf the other day. But uh, can you say a Gulf of Tonkin incident? Might have been a hoax. Might have been a screw-up. Um I guess we've got a little more time left. I've got this bizarre item. I don't know if you heard of this, but I had to read this one. This is just too funny not to mention. It comes from Poland. These things are always amusing. Uh, and this is Warsaw, a courtesy of Reuters. Quote, I thought I was dreaming, a Warsaw man told the newspaper Super Express after he visited a brothel and saw his wife amongst the employees. The paper said... She had told her husband she worked at a store nearby. <laughs> the couple married 14 years are divorcing. Um, honey, don't go home for dinner tonight. And Well, she didn't say what kind of a store it was. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And uh, th that's a mutual, honey, don't come home for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I guess the only other thing we can say about that incident is, thank goodness it wasn't a couple called Bill and... Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could be on a sketch pad somewhere in the Obama campaign headquarters. Who knows? I don't know if you noticed that Philip Agee had passed away. Yes, I did. Uh, he was 72, uh, died in Cuba. We interviewed him down here on Gray Matters, by the way, when he uh, made a public appearance here in Ann Arbor. Back, back in the 80s. Back in the late 80s, yeah. yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, we uh, have a little time here. Um he wrote a book called Inside the Company uh, that was considered scandalous because it uh, offered some pretty explicit details, including a list of purported agency operatives. Of course, when the whole Valerie Plame uh, incident erupted over the last few years, uh, some comparisons were made, but uh, there really were quite uh, different circumstances, and I'll read from the uh, little obit here. 
that uh, AG said that he disclosed the identities of former colleagues to, quote, weaken the instrument that is the agency for carrying out the policy of supporting military dictatorships, close quote, which it did, of course, in Greece, Argentina, Uruguay, and Brazil, and other places. Um, AG said that those regimes, quote, were supported by the CIA, and the human cost was immense, torture, executions, death squads. Uh, he's absolutely 